This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, pet lovers, pet friends. Welcome to Best Pets for Pets. I'm your show host, Michelle Byrne. And today, we have a special show. No products. We're going to talk about first aid for your pets. It is so important. It's important all time. But especially, you know, we're getting into travel season and summer. And, you know, this time of year, there's even more of a need for first aid. And I have the expert with me. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. Natural Farm is the best place to go for collagen sticks and bully sticks and gullet sticks made with all natural ingredients, free from preservatives, artificial coloring, and chemicals. They have some great new products, such as stuffed collagen sticks in bully stick peanut butter and chicken flavor, power bully sticks made from beef cheek and pizzle, and of course their peanut butter flavored collagen sticks. Go to naturalfarmpet.com and use the code BESTBETS15 for 15% off storewide. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to welcome Dr. Amber Karaki. She is with Heart and Paw, which is a wonderful veterinary group that is not yet in Florida, but my fingers are crossed. So I'm so glad to have you on. Welcome, Dr. Amber. Thank you for having me again. So let's talk about first aid. You know, a lot of pet lovers, pet people, pet parents think, you know, okay, first aid, you know, it's a lot of us are lax as humans don't even have always first aid kits for us. And then I think we kind of forget about first aid for our pets and why it's so important. So why should we be so focused on pet first aid? Well, it's good because just like for humans, you know, they can have their accidents too, or they get a gnarly cut. God forbid they break their leg or, you know, something else happens. They take a fall. So that way you have some things on hand to try to maybe like stop some bleeding or wrap up an injury while you're on your way to your veterinarian to get it taken care of by the doctor. Makes total sense, especially, you know, as we get into travel season and summertime, sometimes we take our pets with us and we're not going to be in a area, in a location. We might be in a remote location, not or maybe not in a location where we're very familiar with you know, the vet population and where pet stores are, it's not like your home where you have your immediate community to help you with these things. What should a pet parent have in their first aid kit, both at home and then for travel? So it's fairly similar to um, one that you would have for a human. So you're looking for like bandages, like the nonstick pads, gauze bandages and wraps where you can wrap like a pad onto a leg since they can't, you can't rely on a bandaid to stick to it. So you want to have wraps for them. Having some antibacterial ointment in there, some like alcohol pads so you can clean stuff. 
having some gloves on hand so you can cover your hands too. And then for me in my kits, I also carry a few muzzles that are the same size for my dogs for what they need because an animal in pain, despite them, you know, being your pet, they still might try to bite to get you away or anyone else that is helping you because of that pain. So I always carry that with me as well. That's a great idea. I also think that, and maybe it's because of where I live, Based on the seasonality, there's a lot of things for tick removal that yes. are out there. A lot of different treatments, some that you just cover, you just pour the product like right on top and the tick just comes out. Yep. Or tweezers are good or they make a special, I've seen it before. It's like a little tick remover where it's almost like a spoon with a like a triangle cut out of it. So you can like slide that right onto the tick and then pop them out into the spoon. They actually, you know, they actually make a keychain, a tick saver pick remove keychain kind of thing that i've seen i have not seen that one yet (laughs) seen that one i I don't think that was on a best best for pet show i think that was at global but i've i've definitely seen it here's i'll tell you a favorite of mine and i didn't realize how important this was until i had this uh, this emergency so true story in the middle of moving nikki broke a, a fingernail so his nail, you know, we're not just talking, oh, you know, fingernails, he broke a little tip. He's, you know, Havanese. Now he's like 18 pounds on a good day, but, you know, he's kind of a smallish dog. And for some reason, you know, his whole nail just came out and we were moving, but he was in the car. He was, you know, I, I was holding him. There was nothing. All of a sudden there's blood coming out. And I thought, you know, what do you do? And I know that when you can, as a fix, when you're cutting nails, you could sometimes, you know, use pepper. But Mm -hmm. better is there's a product called Quick Stop. And that I think you should have in every glove box. Anytime you're with your pet, just have that, you know, because this little nail was bleeding like crazy, like all over the place. And I had actually go to a pet store. Luckily it was daytime and the pet stores were open. And that was the thing that, that stopped the bleeding. It was, there was no problem, no infection, no nothing, but there, it, it was just bleeding like crazy. And, you know, the bandages, and of course, you know, pet bandages are different than people bandages, but that was not doing the trick. Oh yeah, no, toenails bleed like crazy. So quick stop's awesome. If you don't have that around your house, in a pinch, flour can work as well. Or if you have guys in your house that have like the shave sticks where they nick themselves in their face, you can use that on a nail as well. Oh, that's good to know. What about pepper? So pepper is good. It can sting a little bit too. So I would go with flour if you have that first. So you can hopefully avoid the sting. Okay. And I also think that's good if your dog is around other dogs so that if there's a cut for any reason, so that you can sprinkle it in. So yeah, I didn't know about the flour. So that's a great idea. I didn't realize that pepper would sting. And again, I heard that from your, you know, cutting nails. So if you hit the quick, that's not going to be as bad as if you, you know, or the whole nail comes out and it's much more sensitive or a cut, which is much more sensitive. Yeah. Of course. I love the idea of a muzzle because yes, you're right. You never know. And I even think something as, you know, just at the dog park, you should have your first aid kit, right? Yep. I mean, my travels with me in my car. So it's just, I have a human first aid kit and I have a dog first aid kit. So you can even for the dog park, if you're walking, you make up like one of the, like the little fanny pouches with some things in there just so you have it on hand. What are some 
things that we should have with us that we probably wouldn't think of or keep on hand beside, of course, you know, your vet records and now everything's digital. So you can have a digital copy on your phone. But what are some other things that we should have with us all the time that we probably wouldn't think of? So for me, vet records, absolutely. That's the number one. I'm glad you said that because you never know when you're going to need them, at least to prove that your dog's got some shots. Having, like I said, some of the bandaging stuff on hand is good. And if you're walking with your dog, making sure you have like that sturdy leash with you and like a sturdy collar or a harness on them. So that way, if you need to get them under control, you can for them. And you sometimes, if you want to MacGyver it, you can like MacGyver the leashes into muzzles or like if you have to like wrap up a paw or like say like broke the leg, you have to like put the leg up so it doesn't move. You can use your leash to do that as well. That's a great idea. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk more about pet first aid. We'll be right back. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Dr. Amber Kowaki about pet first aid. So let's talk about special first aid that we might need for pets for travel time and for summertime. Because one of the things that drives me crazy, like like really crazy, is how people treat their pets in the summer because they're not, and especially dogs, because you see more dogs outside than you see cats. They're not like humans. They do not sweat like humans. Doesn't it drive you crazy? Like you should like rule of thumb. If, it, the, if it's too hot for your foot, it's too hot for your dog's paw, the concrete. Yep. Yep. And the heat stroke in them is a lot worse for them than it is for us. Unfortunately, we see an uptick in that every summertime. I don't know what the answer is for this. I've witnessed this one or two times. And the very last time I witnessed this, a cop came along and just about arrested the young person. People that leave their dogs in cars. Now, I'm in South Florida. We're lucky if we have like five cold front days a year. It's generally too hot all year long to leave your pet in the car, even if the windows open a tiny little bit. Just not safe. And... 
the situation I witnessed, I was there and then a couple people around were thinking, should we break in or what? And then someone was going to get a, a security guard. Then a cop drove by and I had to run an errand. So I was in the mall and out in like 15 minutes and cop comes by. What's going on? There's like six of us. What should we do? Should we break the window? Is some crazy person going to come and, you know, after us or who knows what this young person comes out like 20 and he said oh i was just gone five minutes and the cop goes do you want to repeat that how long were you gone and he goes like five minutes he goes i don't think so i don't know if he wrote him up or he i don't think he arrested him i think he gave him a fine but people just think you know dogs can go into heat stroke so fast isn't it a matter of like minutes it is. And cars, even with the windows cracked, I mean, they get into like the 120 to higher degrees very quickly within like a couple of minutes. So I definitely, honestly, I've never happened upon that situation. I honestly, I would bust that window so fast. <laughs> I don't know if I'd get in trouble or not, but I'd be more concerned for the dog than anything else. But yeah, heat stroke is real especially if you have one of the what we call the brachycephalic breeds the short nose like think about your pugs and your frenchie dogs they can have it even worse and much faster than say like a labrador or golden retriever with a longer face and it's hard like you depending on how bad it is you're talking hospitalization at the er for several days a lot of dogs die from it um even with the best of hospitalization it's too much for their system we can't get them back so it's very real and it's very dangerous and any hot weather i don't leave my dogs in my car anything over 60 degrees i don't leave them in the car <laughs> for anything when i lived in los angeles and the weather was a lot different than it is in you know south florida every so often i would take my dog for a car ride and you know when when it was cool high of 50 or something but ever since i've been in south florida the only time my dog's been in the car is when i'm either traveling he's in rainbow bridge heaven now mr zeus but Aww. the only time he was in the car was when we went to the vet and or, unless i was traveling with him or which was really rare but that was it because or the groomer because it's just too hot and even if you're in a car and there's ac going on it's still even if the temperature in the car is like in the 70s, that's still not ideal. You do have to be careful. I did have one case. The family was traveling um, and they happened to see our hospital. It wasn't with a heart and paw hospitals earlier in my career. They were traveling and all of a sudden their dog started experiencing heat stroke. And they're like, but we're in the car and it's AC. But the dog was in more of the trunk area. Like they had one of the longer cars with the open trunk. The dog was in the more trunk area, which was warmer than the rest of the car because the AC wasn't reaching her back there. And she started going into heat stroke when they brought her into me with everything. So even depending on where your dog is in the car, you know, is the AC actually getting to them in that area or is it still too hot? Right. And that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure to bring up because a lot of cars, I mean, some of us have the fancy schmancy ones with their, there's AC vents like all over the car. Mine's not like that. I have AC vents and I, it's, you know, an SUV, but a small one, but you're right. If your cars, if your dog is too far back, they're not going to get the ventilation and it's not going to be as cool. And then it depends, you know, are you in traffic? Is the heat beating down? I know we're kind of, you know, going over this intensely, but it's just one of those things that people don't realize. Nah, and it could be deadly. Yes. And within a matter of minutes, you know. 
tell us because dogs pant. I mean, they don't move. They don't really. They don't sweat. They don't perspire like humans to cool us. Uh, you know, the body off. They're they have fur and then they pant. That's it. Yeah, no sweat glands. They release their heat from panting, and if they get too exhausted from the heat stroke, that actually stops happening. Like they actually won't pant as much because their body is just kind of shutting down. They're not as conscious as what they should be, so that panting mechanism stops, and then that elevates their temperature even more, and it makes it much harder. What is a good temperature? And we love cats and I have several, but cats, for the most part, we don't usually travel as much. They travel much less frequently. We They're mostly indoors, at least in the U.S. Most of the time they're indoors. And otherwise, you should definitely have a place where they can go, where they can cool off. But most of the time we do travel with dogs. So that's why I want to focus so much on dogs. So Dr. Amber, let's talk a little bit since we're talking about pets and travel and heat and everything like that. How comfortable is it for a pet traveling in the summer? I mean, sometimes the family is going, you don't have a choice, you know, you really want your pet with you. But is it something that you should only do if you really have to? Or is it, you know, sure, take the pet with you and take your dog with you, no problem. I think it depends on the situation, the dog. So if you have like an older dog you've never traveled with and they hate the car or they hate the airplane that you're going in, please don't. Find them a kennel, a boarding kennel, a friend, a family member, something, because they will be miserable. But also think, like, if you're traveling, are we going to be staying in a hotel with AC? Are you potentially camping in high, like, heat weather that they're going to be uncomfortable with? And maybe, like, stuck in a campsite or a camper that's not going to be the best AC for them? And what you're going to plan on doing, because if you're taking your dog on vacation with you and they're going to be stuck in a hotel room, it's not going to fit go well because it's an unusual place lots of extra sounds they don't know, people they don't know, they're just going to stress and you're going to be out having fun while your pet's stressing in a hotel room. So it's not the best idea for some of these things. I hope this message gets through because I see I travel somewhat frequently and I'm seeing more and more, you know, dogs on planes and and all of that. And some of the dogs are small and I think it's easier for smaller dogs just because their size and everything. But I do see a lot of larger dogs. Not all of them are working dogs, but that's a different thing that we're not discussing that. That's an exception, (laughs) obviously. But I see a lot of these larger dogs and, you know, I'm not knocking, you know, some are emotional support and it's important and everything. But I think some people are just traveling with their dog just because they want to travel with their dog. What have you, in your experience from, you know, your veterinarian and your patients, um, have they traveled with their dogs and had good experiences as, with it? Is it more, you know, uncomfortable? I mean, they're, they're smushed. Not everybody buys a seat for their pets. So sometimes they're kind of like, even if they do buy a seat, you know, you put a German Shepherd in a seat. That's, uh, you know, a big dog. And asking them to sit still for how long. And just like us, their ears get pressure in their ears from the airplane and whatnot. So I think smaller dogs do have it easier because they can be in smaller carriers with their owners in the airplane. When you have the larger dogs, uh, especially if they're not working dogs, 
they have to go on cargo. And there are temperature regulations, both for heat and for cold, that the dogs can only fly during certain temperatures. And especially the dogs going in cargo, they're sitting on the tarmac for a couple of hours before your plane takes off. So they're away from you. They're in very noisy areas in a small kennel that maybe they're used to or not used to. I believe that is kind of stressful for them and shouldn't be done unless you truly need to do it. I do write a lot of health certificates. I'm one of the international vets that can write health certificates with the USDA. I I do see a bunch. Majority, thankfully, are smaller dogs that are going in cabins or owners that are moving to other countries for work or whatnot. So I think those are better to do. But you also have to remember, airport for several hours, they can't go outside. How are they going to relieve themselves? So I think about that. They're going to do it. Is your flight very long where your pet might relieve themselves? in the carrier (laughs) and have a mess there. So if you're just going on vacation and it's more for you, I would say leave them at home. I think it's better for them to stay at home, even if it's in a kennel situation. I think it's very much less stress for them. Wow. And that's interesting, you know, with dogs in cargo, I've heard so many negative stories about dogs in cargo areas that unless I think dogs are being transported from a you know, just very horrible situation where they're moving, you know, 40 dogs that were in, you know, found after a tornado or something crazy like that. But then you usually have smaller planes that are moving these dogs. So they're not sitting in a cargo area. I would not be comfortable with that. I'd be scared if I was the dog, if I was stuck in that situation. So I can only imagine they don't even know what's going on. So I imagine they're definitely not happy about it. I mean, one of the last flights I was on, I was two hours on the tarmac because of, I don't know, however they were had the flights organized, whatever. I was hot. I was annoyed. And I know what's going on. If I, you know, I could just imagine for your dog, I folks, if you have to move, if you don't have a choice, then okay. But do whatever you can to please, please not have to put your dog in the cargo section. I think there's just a high percentage from, this is just my personal opinion and what I've read, but there's a high percentage of dogs that are when they're in cargo that have died, that have gotten very sick. I don't know, Dr. Amber, have you read any of this? It does happen. I know it does happen. I don't know the statistics on it, but I know it does happen, whether it's just the dog was older and it didn't deal with the stress properly, if the temperatures weren't met properly, and for some reason the dog still went on the plane, whether it was something that went wrong during transit, but it does happen. I don't have the stats on it. I would just say don't do it unless you don't have a choice. I'd rather drive and and I did drive across the country with my dog and that was a challenge too because the AC was on, it was summer, I had to move, someone was terminally ill on the other part of the country. But I tell you, you learn how to take a two-minute bathroom break because you don't have a choice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it was August, but I didn't have a choice. But she was fine. She was not in the car more than like um, at the most maybe three minutes, literally. I was a crazy person when I had to, you know, I rarely stopped. And uh, yeah, that's that's another story. That's the Cassidy story. But let's talk about pet first aid courses, because there's a lot of good ones out there. So there's virtual ones. There's ones. Can you find ones veterinarian might be hosting? 
Yep. Yeah. Some vets do it. We do that here at Heart and Paul. Um, we have classes every few months um, between our different locations for first aid and pet CPR. There's definitely stuff online. Um, just make sure it's a veterinary group that's showing it to you to make sure it's proper, like the ASPCA or something like that. Lord knows, maybe there's a master class about it. <laughs> for all I know. But also check with the pet stores. Some pet stores might offer a CPR or first aid course as well. It's always good to know. And especially if you have, like you mentioned, high-risk dogs, dogs with short snouts or an older dog or dogs with, you know, special medical conditions. And speaking of that, another thing that happens in the summer is, you know, it's summertime, bugs and who knows what, and you have people visiting and everything that you have to keep the number of the animal poison control center nearby. We talked about the um, ASPCA before, but tell us a little bit about them, um, Dr. Amber. So there's a couple of different ones. ASPCA is one, some veterinary schools run them too. These are numbers that you can call. There is a fee associated with them, but they are excellent. There are either veterinarians or veterinary technicians that know all the different things, especially for us veterinarians. I don't know all the human drugs and what they can cause in your pet. So I always have my clients, if it's something I don't know, call these lines. They will let you know. Um, they'll ask for like dosing, what the dog got into, size. They'll let you know if you do need to go to your veterinarian or not. And then they give you a case number that then I can take and call in and they give me the exact treatment plan that I need to do for this dog, whether it's fluids, medications, the amount of the medications for these guys. So I don't have to sit there researching while time is ticking away. I know exactly what I need to do. And then I can immediately go and do it for your dog. So these poison control lines for us are invaluable in when time matters, especially in drugs that we don't know, because it's not part of our normal drug set that we use in animals. I hope I can get this information in our show notes as well. But folks, the number for the ASPCA is 888-426-4435. Put it in your phone. It's the Animal Poison Control Center. It's ASPCA and it's 888-426-4435. There's a lot of great information on their website as well. Well, Dr. Amber, we're almost out of time. Any other bits of info you want to tell all the uh, pet parents and, you know, pet lovers out there that have pets in our life, we need to know about pet first aid. Yeah, absolutely. Know about pet first aid. Um, If you can make that kit, definitely have it around. Have all your dog's information. If you're traveling, look up the emergency centers in your area for pets. God forbid you have something that happens. At least you'll know what is in the area. And pet insurance is sometimes invaluable. Some of these policies just cover accident or injury. And sometimes these accidents and injuries can be several thousand dollars to rectify. So having that in your back pocket is also a good thing. So you're not going, oh my gosh, I can't afford this for my pet but I want to save their life. (laughs) So that's always a good thing. Or I have an emergency credit card in my wallet. It's for my pets or my kids or my house or my car in case something's big that needs to be paid for. That's when that credit card comes out in case of emergency. Such great information. I want to thank you so much for coming on Best Bets for Pets and sharing all this great information and great advice um, and tools and, you know, uh, things that I hope all the pet lovers listening will take with them. So thanks so much for coming on Best Bets for Pets. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. 
I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And I don't want to offend anyone that's traveling with their pets. You know, we love to be around our pets. We love to be with them. My uh, significant other, he hates traveling without our pets. But I always tell him they're much more comfortable at home. And we always have pet sitters and they do fine. So please keep that in mind the next time you think about taking your pet for a car ride, you know, when it's 90 degrees out. Don't do it unless you have to. Heat stroke is a real thing. And it's better for your pet to be lonely for a little bit than your pet, you know, need to see the vet and near death. Sorry if it sounds a little bit um, harsh, but hey, save a life. So I want to thank Dr. Ernie Karwaki for coming on this special show of Pet First Aid. I want to thank Mr. Nikki that who showed me that it's important to have your Pet First Aid kit with you because you never know when they'll have their fingernail come off or who knows what. And thanks to my cat crew that thankfully is chill and doesn't need a lot of first aid, but just in case we have their first aid kit also available. And that is uh, Dennis and Charlotte, Molly and Jethro. And thanks to everyone that's listening to Best Bets for Pets. We just ranked, I think, like number nine on this list of the most popular pet podcasts. So thank you so much. And of course, a huge thank you to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound amazing. Now remember, keep listening. You never know what we're going to have next on Best Bets for Pets. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.